Do you say Anthony or Anthony? Uh, in which case, Anthony? All of the cases. Anthony Hopkins. It's yeah, Anthony, Americans. isn't it? But why do some people say Anthony? It's an Americanism. But okay, okay. Thank God for that, because someone was saying Anthony, and I was like, I was I looked at them like, are you stupid? And then I thought maybe people say Anthony. When Anthony Hopkins won an Oscar recently, two years ago, uh, they said Anthony Hopkins, and I was like, oh, he must say Anthony Hopkins because he's Welsh, but it's not true. He says Anthony because he's Welsh. Right. Anyway, enough of that interlude. Sam, go on, kick this, get this show on, show on the road. Hello and welcome back to the Pressing Matters podcast. Uh, we've been away for a little while. I don't really know why. There was an international break, uh, but now there isn't anymore. <laughs> break over. The Kit Kat has been finished and it's break over. <laughs> yes. Um, maybe uh, there are other chocolates that you should buy that uh, use less palm oil. Like uh, a timeout. Like a timeout bar. Uh, not an expert on them. We've uh, we're recording this on the back of the Arsenal Chelsea game, and uh, I think that's a good place to start, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, sure. I was gonna say, if you don't mind me saying, how many games into the season do you have to wait before you're allowed to look at the table, Sam? When does the table mean anything? Uh, I look at the table uh, week one. Even when not all the games have been played. You oh. always look at the table. You're a table lover. That's what I do. When we play Football Manager together, I always watch the table every week to see what's going on. Because it means a lot. It is, you are where you are. Yeah, but you're not a believer of one game at a time then, hey? Just focus on the next game. You know, people are like, oh, we just take it one game at a time. You know, all the top managers, Sam, who win things. Yeah. You know, so maybe that's why you're not familiar. But uh, all, all the top managers who wing things, they like to give it a, oh, no, we're just taking it one game at a time. We're just focusing that's on the next what I do. Points. That's what I do. Because if you win the next game, you're like, oh, I can go up to ninth if I win no, the next No, no, but that's the whole point of why they don't... That, no, Sam, no, Sam, you don't do it one game at a time to be able to see where you could go. The whole point of taking it one game at a time is that you don't see what you could do. You don't get carried away in your own tailwind of success, mm. you know? Like having ninth. I, uh, the thing is, though, <laughs> I, why, why, why am I winning games? I'm winning games because I want to go at the table. You know, if I beat, uh, if I beat Burnley or, or Amiens, whoever it might be, it's less about beating them because, you know, I don't really care about them. It's more it's about, about catching like, them. Well, no, I'm, but I'm better than them. It's about, like, look at all these points I can get, you know, for the table. Right, so, so you, you're obsessed with the table. Yes, but at the same time, we look at the table now, because this is why we talk about it at the table, because we can look at the table now, and it's interesting. The reason I say this is, have you looked at the top ten? Because the top ten... You know, we, we've really talked about kind of the, the depth of quality of the Premier League, you know, quite a lot recently. We think about how, you know, even mid-table teams. you got West Ham winning the Europa Conference last year, you know, etc., etc. But if you actually look at the top ten and reel off the list of names there, it's it's horrible, you know, in a, in a good way. 
in like a, it's a horrible in like a imagine just being promoted to this league and then looking at those 10 teams okay okay i'm looking at them now what well because because none of them are bad yes apart from none, west ham apart from west ham who are the europa league <laughs> conference champions yeah, who I think are going to get relegated, apparently. Yeah. And also who you think are going to get relegated. But also, they have spent well, you know. And have been yeah, doing Yeah, I didn't really know okay. who Edson Alvarez was. Um, but um, Edson Alvarez was the only Moyes player in that Ajax generation, basically. But he's still got plenty of Ajax in him, you know. Yes, I, I've, not, I've not told you this, but I have actually... Uh, recently started an Ajax football manager session and uh, he's on he's on the team and I was looking at this guy and he's like really good on it uh, and so I don't know when I was looking at West Ham I was like oh yeah they Moyes is going to go because he's unpopular or whatever I don't know and then they were like oh we're going to buy Maguire and all that and I was like this this team is going to be in, in real trouble but uh, they're buying like they got Kudus as well, didn't they? He's from the same Ajax team. Yeah, the the midfield rebuild has been has been impressive. I like how we were talking about the top ten, and then we picked out one bad team from the top ten, and then decided to talk about how good they were. But I'm here for it. Yes. Uh, w- w- but also Suchek resurgence because I think there's more solidity around him, and maybe less is being asked of a player like I think when they had Rice. Yeah, he's good. Because Rice was Rice, they're like, oh, he needs to do everything because he's Rice. Rice. And then Suchek's nice. kind of a little bit stranded at times almost because of that. Now you you bring in like an Alvarez, a uh, you know, next to a Suchek with a James Ward-Prowse, who's also not going to be, you know, too flamboyant, but has a lot of technical quality on the ball anyway. With like a Kudus and a Bowen and a Paquita and a... I thought Paquita was going to leave as well, by the way, when I said West Ham would get relegated. Just to uh, make and just clear. to save your blushes slightly, but you and know it's a good point. Point, yeah. If it wasn't for the betting scandal, but it's uh, the point <laughs> is it's a uh, it's it's a it's a good team. It's a solid good team, yeah. And even if you look at the two centre backs, they're they're very good, yeah. Like I think the biggest compliment you can give, and this is like a not a backhanded compliment, but Maguire would struggle to get into the team. I'm not saying he wouldn't get into the team. I'm not saying he wouldn't get into the team, but he would struggle to get into the team with Aguirre and, and Zuma in there, you know? Because they, they are good. Yes, he's not better than them. He's, I'm going to say it. Can I talk... Okay, is this, is this going to be the episode where we talk about West Ham? Because they're, they're kind of boring, to be honest. Like, Yeah, it's, it makes for a boring yeah. episode. They No, no, that's not what I'm saying. No, that's not what I mean. I'm saying this This is interesting. You, there's not a weak, there's not a weakness in that top ten other than Chelsea, and even then, you don't want to play Chelsea. You don't actually want to. This was all based around the Chelsea game, really. But we can make it a West Ham episode if you want to talk about West Ham, because I am fine with that because they are interesting, you know. Yes, but my my point was that West Ham are never like really interesting on a particular week. You never like oh West Ham. <laughs> had a great week or you know whatever. what you know what West Ham are epitomised by their, their Czech right back yes Soufal because Soufal has never made me get off my seat I think he had a really cool assist once well he's he, he assisted four and four what this season 
Yeah, he was on for five and five. I, I assume he didn't get one against... I mean, did they even score against Villa? Bowen scored. Did Soufal get the assist? Because if so, I think he joins no, like an elite club of players. Okay, thank goodness Soufal didn't um, assist. But he, he assisted four and four. But anyway, that's not that's not the point here. But the point is Soufal is not a get-off-your-seat kind of player. But having said that, He's pretty solid, right? He's like a reliable, dependable David Moyes right back. He's going to give you a lot of work up and down the flank. Not tons of quality, but he's never going to really be found out too much. You can rely on him to do a job. He's not going to set the world alight. But that's just kind of West Ham, you know. You can rely on them to do a job under Moyes. They've got some fun-ish players there, but the fun players kind of have the handbrake on a bit. Um, And the players who aren't fun are kind of like physical powerhouses, so it's kind of like, yeah, fill your boots, whatever, you know? But yeah, so the the top 10 does, does feel like it's going to be pretty settled until the end of the season, which is the point, isn't it? And they're, they're all kind of like classic teams, apart from Brighton, who are this brilliant system of... And also who are now basically... Well, they're very good, aren't they, clearly? Yeah, exactly. And we know that everyone knows that they're good. Nobody. But in terms of like a top 10, it's a top 10 that you like. It really is a league of two halves. Wow. What football cliches. <laughs> but it really is a league of two halves because, you know, even even United, you, you look at that top 10 and you think, OK, United will come good at some point and climb up that table. But to be fair, if you're having a bad season and that's bad season in the context of the top 10 mini league. You know, I'm not saying they're gonna they're gonna finish fifteenth, but there's not really a huge amount of scope for you to continuously be have. You you can't be poor. You can't necessarily be poor for like twenty games and be like, well, we'll go on a run at some point and turn it all around because it's a really tough top ten. And United and Chelsea are finding that sitting in eighth and tenth, and that's exactly where they deserve to to be at the moment. I mean, okay, Chelsea potentially deserve to be higher up with. XG tables and, and you know how they've actually played and things like this but they have had fundamental issues as well in front of goal and so it's all very well and good saying you know the XG means that they could be higher up but they also do need to put the ball in the back of the net to be able to deserve being higher up the table but um, no I just thought it was quite fascinating I think the the improvement of or, or maybe the sustained improvement of your Newcastle, Brighton and Villas is what's making it pretty juicy you know and i'm and i'm here for it i'm here for it yes i mean well this is the thing is like villa being in fifth is something you might not predict at this stage and they've just won 11 home games in a row uh so that you you say it's like a mini league and there is still like the competition in there like with man united being towards the bottom it, it's not boring is, is what i'm saying and it's yeah, very yeah, tight yeah. to the top as well so yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That's not a. It's not to say that we should only focus on the top ten, but it's just a clear divide, I think. And and both are fascinating. And look, it it might may not stay as it is. There's no doubt about that. But it does seem like both groups of ten seem fairly. Uh, there seems like a gap, you know. There seems like a gap, even though there isn't one in in reality. You know, Palace and Chelsea are both on twelve. And Wolves and Fulham are both on eleven. You know, it's 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 incredibly tight everywhere, but it does feel like a, a change in quality. It is that kind of thing where though, where it's like, well, how do you break into that? How do Palace break into that? Because they're always eleventh, aren't they? And they would would never be anything more. It feels like. 
Yeah, interesting. But all that to say, you know, Chelsea sitting in tenth. I mean, what did you make of what did you make of um, the clash at Stamford Bridge, Sam? The Chelsea Arsenal game. Obviously, there was a tale of two keepers. Yep. But uh, yeah, I'd like to know your thoughts as as a, as our resident Arsenal expert. What did you make of it? <laughs> okay, well, I was going to talk about Chelsea to be honest, but because um, <laughs> the, there's there's been a Chelsea renaissance or a Chelsea. Uh, backflip. That's not the right word. Heel turn. What's the word when people change their opinion on stuff? A people are saying Chelsea are good now. I don't Revisionism. Know what that means. No, that's not the word I'm looking for either. All I'm saying is people hated Chelsea like three weeks ago, and now people are like, oh, Chelsea are actually going to be quite good, aren't they? And I, th- I think they will. To be fair, I think predicted at the start of the season that Chelsea would be top four. I think think their squad's pretty good because they've spent an awful lot of money uh, and you do look at these XG stats and you're like I think they're like supposed to be fourth or something if you just look at XG which obviously isn't taking into the, the game state and isn't weighting uh, the games equally if that makes sense you know like if Newcastle thrash Sheffield United and get 3.8 XG or whatever it was uh, that's not going to a balanced reflection when you just look at an XG total but yeah. I, I think there is a point that Chelsea haven't been miles away from it in the same way that Everton have been quite good in XG and it's just these like fine margins not going their way um, but at the same time Chelsea's problem this season has been scoring goals I don't think their defence has been a problem at all No. Uh, and in this Arsenal match I wouldn't say there's been a massive improvement in terms of Chelsea's forward ability from what I've seen this season and then against Arsenal. Because uh, at the end of the day, both of their goals were just from absolutely nothing, but Arsenal could do nothing to stop. It was a bullet header from Mudrik, which is centimetres away from Saliba and hits his hand, gets a penalty, and then there's a mishit cross from Mudrik. Uh, and then they had, I think, you know, the biggest chance obviously would have been that Cole Palmer chance when Raya passes it straight to him. Uh, I, yeah. I felt it was like quite a bitty game where you're not looking at Chelsea being like, these are a powerhouse. Their attack hasn't really clicked still. Like, you know, it's we're seeing like minor improvements, but yeah, it's not okay, enough to make me think like Chelsea are going to be great. I've got I've got two things I want to say. I want to say one thing for kind of the zooming out macro level of Chelsea right now. And I want one for the actual game itself. The game itself, it felt like it should have been nil-nil. <laughs> yes. Like it was 2-2, but really it was a nil-nil. Because it was it was a penalty that was fine. Okay, he's given it as a penalty in today. I think I think it's one of those where in today's law, well, even in today's law, I really think it's incredibly harsh and arguable because they just seem it to have forgotten about the weak. distance thing, right? Yeah, well, it's unstoppable. Like they're saying, Saliba shouldn't put his arm over there, but it's like it's not a natural at all. It's just he's that's how yeah, he jumps. Yeah, he can't just like throw himself headfirst like a pencil in, in directions. It would be, it would be. Com- <laughs> It'd be fantastic for the neutral to watch that kind of comedic defending, but it would just be yeah. strange. Um, 
But yeah, it was it was essentially a nil-nil game, I thought, because obviously the Declan Rice finish is great, but Sanchez has had an absolute howler. The Trossard goal is the one bit of real quality, actually, to be fair, that that was the difference between the two. Now, that's not to take anything away from Chelsea's actual performance, because the intensity level that they had from the off, and I think they're out of possession shape. I think they basically sacrificed, you know, being massively creative for a very good out of possession structure. I think if you're playing Cole Palmer down the middle as an as a kind of f- in as a false nine then you're I I I'm not doubting that he has quality, but you're not playing a Nicholas Jackson out and out number 9. You're playing someone who's going to be withdrawn and is essentially going to have a lot of responsibility to protect the central ball progression to your Jorginho's and your Rice's, okay? And blocking passing lanes, channels, and things like this. Now, I think that Chelsea did well. I don't think they were unambitious, but I don't think that forward line didn't wow me into like a, okay, this like, this withdrawn striker with two, like a Sterling and a Mudrick either side could be really lethal mm. in possession because they've got lightning pace either side of like a, essentially a creative number 10 who's, uh, you know, got some out of possession discipline to his game because he came through a Pep Guardiola team. We assume. So uh, I'm not. I'm not saying that it completely lacked ambition, but I don't think he picked it to be that. I don't think he picked it to be Firmino, Mane, Salah on the counter attack. I think he picked it to be Firmino, Mane, Salah of the old pressing. So out of possession side of it of like right let's stop ball progression by having a withdrawn striker so they're not going to find an easy route into the six to progress the possession and we've got two very mobile wide players who can get close to Cole Palmer and kind of cut out passing lanes that are going to be incisive and through through the team okay and then you've got your kind of Gallagher's and, and, and Enzo and um who was the uh, Caicedo, which is ultimately a pretty industrious midfield. Don't get me wrong, there's plenty of quality on the ball once again with, with Enzo, but it's a pretty industrious midfield. Enzo is not exactly like a number 10, is he? He's, he's played there this season, but even then, he's not a he's not a dainty 10. He, he's like a... He's like a, a creative, deep midfielder who they who's fa- he's fantastic at receiving on the half-term and, and picking passes, and when they've played him as a 10, they've done it to kind of have a conservative 10, it's felt like. But I feel like I'm going off tangent a bit here. More just to say, the Chelsea team was fun in a way, but when you spend a billion pounds, at the very least, things should be fun um, and interesting in terms of what they're going to try and do. Uh, but out of possession, I thought they were pretty great. Ultimately, I think they sacrificed a decent amount of their kind of like, um, attacking incisiveness maybe because of this like you said they score a penalty which is a not really from a I'm going to say a goal scoring opportunity no no goal scoring opportunity was removed in my eyes from the foul they then score a cross which again is like uh, it's a nice. They found space out there. They've they've turned the defense and he's breaking into space. Well, they, they've won the ball high, really. I think, and then hit spaces with with pace that they can break into. I'm not saying they don't deserve any of the luck that they got, 
but they still got luck. And then Arsenal, obviously the rice is a howler from Sanchez, and then they have the 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 moment of quality from Saka cutting in and, and whipping into uh um Trossard at the back post and Gusto just falls asleep. So that's kind of on, on, on a more micro level of, of, of really it could have been like a nil nil. But on on a on a more on a on a zoomed out if we zoom out with the lens I feel like Chelsea are fine at the moment but fine doesn't really cut it enough in the prem I guess nobody wants to play against them really even if you're Arsenal's Liverpool's Man City's you don't want to be dare I even say it Spurs but you don't want to be you don't want to be playing Chelsea and we came away from Stamford Bridge you know Liverpool came away from Stamford Bridge first game of the season with a draw we didn't know the context of that draw at the time even after Chelsea had shown that they were still incredibly frail and didn't have things sorted out despite Poch coming in and kind of we all assumed ah well they'll be good now right because they've got this much talent with a, a good manager they'll be good now they still didn't sort things out, but it still never felt like a bad point is what I'm getting at. It, it, despite all of the poor results and whatever, I still thought to myself, well, you know what? First game of the season, Stamford Bridge, 1-1. I'll take it. I don't feel like I could be too annoyed about it. And I'm certainly not going to really be complaining about it or expecting more because I feel like other teams will go there who who we're competing with and will struggle to win the game with Arsenal as well you would say like even now you're happy with the point especially coming from 2-0 down and not really playing that well um, but yes like we'll, we'll see it'll be interesting to see Chelsea when Nkunku comes back in because is it like you just slot straight in for Cole Palmer or, or yeah what? yeah. I, I don't think all problems will just get solved with Nkunku coming in but I think they'll they'll have already made plenty of steps at this point for things to get better. And I think it will just add to things and kind of rejuvenate things slightly. Um, I do also feel like if you're a small, if you're of the bottom 10, you've probably got a better, you probably are fancying playing Chelsea more than maybe like the, the top 10 are, to be quite honest. Because I feel like in bigger games, Chelsea will be quite good. I don't know really what makes me think that. I don't know if it's maybe thinking that the stars would be more up for it or maybe just... I don't know. I feel like they can be kind of... Giant killers isn't the right term because that implies that they've not spent a, a billion pounds. But it's that kind of uh, vibe that I'm getting. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But it, yeah, we'll see. I kind of agree though. Um, So you said it was kind of a... Tale of two keepers in in a way as well, and a tale of two halves. Um, so we've got David Raya, who everyone's been talking about every week with Arsenal now. Um, had a few moments against Man City where he gave the ball away, and then in the second half came on top pretty well, I thought. Um, and then playing against Robert Sanchez after Chelsea's crazy summer with goalkeepers, uh, getting rid of Mendy and. Kepper at the same time, and now, yeah, let's get the third choice Brighton goalie. Um, what, uh, 
How did you think the two keepers came out of this? I I think I think Raya gets. I don't think Raya comes out of it well, but I don't think Raya comes out of it as badly as a certain Mancunian commentator tried to make it seem. But I still, I still just feel like and and. I'm just, I'm not, I'm still not convinced. And you'll have watched more than me, but you'll also have an, a, a bias, you know, that I won't have. Right? Yeah, maybe. But you ultimately have still seen more than me. But I just don't feel like Raya maybe is enough of an upgrade for the media hyper-analysis that it's caused. And maybe that's a silly thing to say, because, look, when you're looking for fine margins to win the league, like, you should be looking for it. But I guess it's a combination of Ramsdale being English and, and the media around that. Ramsdale also being pretty good and Arsenal having their best season for ages with him in goal. Goalkeeper uh, so, yeah, by the way. Team of the year. It, it was that as well. He, he got on the team of the year. Yeah, okay, exactly. Like, like, He shouldn't have done, obviously, because it was obviously Alisson. But he... Uh, but it's always Alisson. It should, it should always be Alisson. Yeah, he, he was maybe second best keeper of the league. Um, it, it's been a surprise, actually. Like how constant the discussion has been around it, but you, you can see why. I mean, like people weren't clamouring for Ramsdale to play for England, but I guess it's the English factor in in some ways. Uh, David Rice homegrown, I will say, uh, but doesn't play for England. Um, it's <laughs> so it's irrelevant. Um, he was yeah. at Blackburn. He was at Blackburn for a while. He was at Blackburn. Full uh, as a young guy, he um. I think the reason why Arteta likes Raya, or more why, or maybe more accurately to say why Inaki Chanya likes Raya, because that is probably going to be someone who is having the most influence. Uh, who is Arsenal's goalkeeper coach who worked at Brentford with Raya, uh, and that's okay. why Raya has been linked for a long time. Because Raya is sort of his protege, I think. Like they they've worked together for ages, um, so that yeah, very strong connection there. Um, but in terms of the actual football stuff, uh, David Raya is a very good long passer, and his stats this season in terms of long passing, he's about sixty percent better than Ramsdale in terms of the success. You know, that's, I can't remember the words for percentages, but it's the one where it's like, you know, it's not like Ramsdale's 20% and he's 80%. It's like, uh, is this confusing? It's like 30% and 55 or whatever. 30, 30% and 50%. Sorry. Is this making any sense? Like successful log passes is something like Ramsdale's 30%, yeah. Raya's 50%. I'm with and you. yeah. And what what we've seen with Arsenal team this year is that they're a lot. Well, we brought in tall players as well, and the the most useful one for Raya's long passing ability is Kai Havertz. And we've watched Arsenal score late against Man City to win, 
and we've seen Arsenal equalise very late against Chelsea to draw. And both of those goals involved long passes up to Kai Havertz, who controls it very well, plays it off to someone who then gets the assist, and Arsenal are thrilled because they've, they've pulled something out late. And it, it's this whole new dimension to Arsenal that we've not had before. And like, I'm not here to say that like Raya and Havertz have been like resounding successes already, but it, it it's something that's totally different and something that Ramsdale is like not that good at. And then on top of that, like Ramsdale's distribution was so good when he first came in. And then, I don't know, it's just last season there's just been little moments with Ramsdale. And I think a lot of the reason why people like Ramsdale is kind of like intangible stuff, like, you know, good character. But that that obviously does have a massive effect on your defence. Um, it's, it's very, very hard to measure. Um, but that there was just something with Ramsdale where the confidence went a little bit in in watching Ramsdale, like your confidence in him went a little bit. And yeah, I don't know. It's just the point where you're like, you, you can see why you would want to bring someone else in. I, I agree. I agree that they were definitely, and look, football tribalism and all that, I, I was 100% looking at moments of Ramsdale being shaky and being like, you know, using that as ammunition, right? To fuel my... Allison's the best agenda, whatever, bloody bloody blah. Yeah, and, and and there's no doubt that Ramsdale gives opposition fans opportunities to kind of be like, oh, he's a bit shaky though, isn't he? That like, there were there were those moments, and no keeper is going to come in and be totally faultless. But Raya has had a fair few shaky moments, and and I guess what are we expecting? Because are we expecting him to come in just be completely flawless? No. But when you come in and I just think the way Arteta even spoke about it, that he because remember he he came out of a whole spiel of it being competition and him not being the you know not being the automatic number one and all of this. The facts are Ramsdale got dropped and has never come back into the side, right? Yeah, but I I don't think I don't think Raya uh, I don't think Raya has done enough. Like the thing is done enough to be dropped I think he has done enough to not be dropped but, but this is why but this is why you can't have two number ones because couldn't, yeah. you, couldn't you even say that realistically all of those little things that Ramsdale did last year if you'd had Raya like would you necessarily think you know Ramsdale did enough to get dropped last last season I know he didn't get dropped because there was no alternative fine but but these little things, like let's let's be honest, Raya has an absolute howler when he gives the ball to Palmer. Mm. Now it's fine, and he recovers, and he he gets away with it. But it's not the only moment there's been this season. But if you're not going to get dropped for that, maybe on the basis that the ball didn't go in the back of the net, well, you know, you you the 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 difference between it going in and go and not going in is huge, right? But if we take away the result of what's happened and we and we remove like a results-based analysis, what he's done is just completely gift the Chelsea forward with a chance that that's not a small mistake. And 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 that doesn't mean he should be dropped, but because 
you know, and I've watched Alison do it. You know what I mean? I've watched Alison do it. It's it's not to say that that can never happen, but I think the problem is is when you bring in this scrutiny and you bring in this like hyper analysis around it, due to it being this idea of two number ones. It's like, well, what what can you do wrong? Because because keepers will make mistakes, but now it's becoming a thing of like, well, because we've got someone else who's virtually as good but not as good when the the threshold for droppable has changed right if if your backup is better than most other backups does the threshold to drop the number one come down or does it remain where it is because this is the whole argument around why it's different for a goalkeeper you know and people have, they're like, I think it was Carragher who was having an argument with Peter Schmeichel being like, well, it's like anyone else. If you're a striker and you miss chances, you get dropped. But I don't know. Is this, is this like, I, I do agree that this is different. But if if you bring in a better backup, are you changing, are you moving the goalposts for, for your two keepers? This is the argument I've heard a lot, actually, like, is what they're talking about in the media is focusing on these moments where Raya has been making these... Uh making these short passes that go wrong or overplaying it at the back. And I think actually like the the basis that Raya has been making mistakes, like the kind of foundation of the argument is like not that steady because um, it kind of reminds me of when goalkeepers playing from the back was first coming into the Premier League and it was like, um, you know, why are they playing it from the back? Like if, if it goes wrong and it's horrendous, but you could just boot it along like we always do but the the argument is and you still have to have this argument because people still don't believe in playing out from the back but it's it, the, the the positives outweigh the negatives is the idea and the, watching Raya over 90 minutes seeing like the way he plays from the back uh, is much more confident than Ramsdale and Ramsdale was a keeper that I thought was good at playing out from the back but watching Raya is like a whole new level and like the position that he has um when Arsenal are in possession is so much higher than uh Ramsdale would be uh and it you know it's almost like having another centre-back isn't it like um so there 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 are a lot of benefits to Raya also Raya's shot stopping was better than Ramsdale last season uh I think Raya is better from crosses um but if we look at shot stopping last season it's a distorted figure because it's two very different sides how Brentford and Arsenal, you know, would have well, played last like season. Well, there's like XG no? prevented, isn't there? XG prevented and like uh, shots. The, 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 you can uh, change the sample sizes. It's not just like he's making more saves. It's, it's no, like I, in I understand metric. that. But, and, and I understand the concept of, you know, and it's this season um, too, performing above well. above the expected and all of this. Um, his, um, still, he was one of the better shot stoppers in the league and this season, his uh, shots, his, his save numbers have been better than Ramsdale this season as well. Like, if you look at the goalkeeping metrics, he's better. If you look at the passing metrics, he's better. It just feels like there, there are these moments that are getting like the hyperfixation because it's it's so easy to show the highlight to be like, yes, Arsenal could have had a disaster here, but the, the, it's the kind of idea of like, I don't know, it it, it is a step up for Raya as well. Like, he wouldn't have played in. A title decider, yeah, in the Premier League. Yeah, uh, the idea is that if he does keep making these mistakes, yeah, okay, bring Ramsdale in. But like, he's played five matches basically. Like, 
with a bit of time, like we'll start seeing only the positives is is the hope because the the positives in what Arsenal can do playing from the back, like you know, you've got Zinchenko now as well, and like yeah, yeah, Saliba yeah. and Gabriel, but, okay. right? Like it, it just feels like it could really, really work. Okay, but so my my question to you then, because you're you're pretty firmly in the in the camp of look, they're bo- not both number ones. Raya is the superior keeper. Um, it's fantastic you've got a great backup, but ultimately you don't really want to have to use him because it would mean that Raya's been making mistakes. Because in your eyes, he's the number one. I suppose in Arteta's well, eyes, he's number one as well, right? I think Ramsdale should play in the Champions League. Okay, okay. And the the cups. Okay. Now, which he isn't. <laughs> which he isn't. No. But I think he should. But what are your expectations then of Ramsdale? What what do you think would be fair to do with Ramsdale? Do you think Ramsdale? Do you think you should sell Ramsdale? Do you think you should keep Ramsdale but him him not play? I know you've just said there keep him playing the cups. If he's not gonna play Champions League, and even if he gets League Cup and FA Cup, let's say, you know, what do you think is fair on him considering where you have where he has taken you? Not single handedly, of course, but where he has helped take you. What do you think is fair on him for his career? Uh, well, that's that's quite a big question. It's uh, like one of, the, one of the reasons for playing him in the Champions League and the the cups is uh, just to keep him happy. Like I think he does deserve that um, because if you are just playing him in the League Cup and <laughs> not the Champions League, a, a keeper of Ramsdale's quality isn't going to be happy with that, and you are going to lose him next summer probably. Um, yeah. I would love to keep both of them. Um, I think, uh, I don't know, it, it's difficult. Because like, now, you think now of, and not so much kind of what you do with him, but kind of like, what does he deserve? And is he going to look to move? And essentially, what I'm getting at is, I suppose, is the sacrificing of a young English goalkeeper like Ramsdale justified for Raya? Do you, do you believe? Because ultimately, look, he's not playing Champions League. He's playing League Cup. He might play League Cup, FA Cup. We'll see. He's not going to be happy. Clearly, there isn't this whole, you know, Mikel Arteta fantasy about subbing goalkeepers that he kind of mentioned once and everyone got fixated on as well then. Um, there's not this whole, like, there's two number ones, I don't believe. Um, so it would make sense for him to go. And then I suppose the question is, I understand there is an upside with Raya, but is the upside maybe enough to be jeopardising losing a player of Ramsdale's quality at, at his age? It's a ruthless game. It's a ruthless game, especially when Man City are at the top. I get that. But I I think that's maybe, maybe that's where some of this argument stems from. Yeah, it, it's an awkward age for a goalkeeper because it's... It, he is young, but not that young, isn't it? And yeah, and he has the right. quality and enough experience to be playing regularly. However, he isn't going to be in his prime or at the peak of his powers. Yeah, and like you do feel like last season was a bit of a stagnation for him. Like if he'd made the same progress he made in his first season, like you wouldn't be bringing Ryan. Um, I mean, you know, there's, there are rumours about Bayern being interested in Ramsdale, and I mean, like if he went to Bayern, like yeah, sure great he he deserves it there aren't really other options in the Premier League for him I would say without obviously moving down um, I don't know like because 
Yeah, I know. Like, if you went to like Everton, who <laughs> plays Pickford, uh, just sort of get that in there. Um, <laughs> you know, that that feels like it's beneath Ramsdale at this stage. Like it feels like a step back. Not, like you know, not being harsh to Everton at all. It's just like you go from Champions League team to a team that's in the bottom half. Um, you 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 love to keep him on. I think the the two number ones question is like they both could be number one but they both won't be number one and if there is a point where we are seeing problems with Riot and his form then it'd be great to bring Ramsdale in uh, but it just really depends like what, what would keep Ramsdale happy uh, yeah. at the moment not really heard anything that would suggest otherwise uh, he's been pretty positive um so we'll, we'll see at, at the same time like I think it's so tricky talking about what do you owe players for what they've done for you and like you know Ramsdale's only been here like two years um, it's not like he's this long servant to the club Arsenal didn't win anything in the end uh, I think it, a, a player could so easily just turn around and say like if Bayern had bid for Arsenal sorry if Bayern had bid for Ramsdale when Arsenal were on top like maybe he would accept that if Arsenal didn't have Raya anyway. Like he'd want to play for a top top team. Um, yeah, it's it's just tough, isn't it? Like it, it is it is a tough situation. I think we just have to give it time and see. Uh, it is. It is. A how riders and B what Ramsdale is feeling. Uh, but you know, yeah, we we love Ramsdale still, of course. Um, and I'd like to close on one thing after all that. Mark Howard, Sam. Do you know Mark Howard? No. Mark Howard has had a a true journeyman's goalkeeper career. He is currently at Wrexham. Would you like to guess the last club he was at before Wrexham? Oh, what, this guy that I've not really heard of? Um... Yes. So think about why I would ask you the question and then stun the viewers by coming up with the answer. I believe that you will get it right because I believe in you and how your mind works. Did he play? F- think, Sam. Think four. about... Think... Just... You, in fact, don't think. If you don't think, you'll get it. Did he play for Andy Carroll's Amiens? No, no, no. Before wish, Andy Carroll was there. I, I, but you'll... you're. I, I see what you've done because... but But it's not. Uh, don't think just think about Liverpool no Sam come <laughs> on you, I really it's a stupid question Carlisle United Sam oh uh, was he of course but the point is ultimately was he was, he was there last year no he was there the year before well he was there 21-22 but point that being he has a Yours Mine Away podcast and he does an episode of David Raya and it's just about goalkeeping and it's an hour long podcast with David Raya and you should maybe check it out yeah any insights you got from it um I can't remember they talk about the loan system and, and when he went to Blackburn they talk about um some nerdy goalkeeper stuff um the guy's not a professional um interviewer or anything like that he is you know a, a League Two goalkeeper, but it's cool. And he has. Some I mean, good, he has you some... say that. 
I was watching Football Focus and they had Matty Turner on. Matty Turner. Matty Turner. And uh, the, the, the interviewer asked twice in a row, he asked, he was like, oh, so uh, what was that like to, to Matty Turner? He asked that twice in a row. What was that you know, like, Matty Turner? Oh, you're American. What was that like? Yeah. It wasn't that, but you know. But yeah, that's that's my parting gift to you. You should check it out. I think you'd maybe, I don't know, you might hate it. You might enjoy it. It okay. might be a bit different. All right, well, that, that's that's it for another podcast for this week. Uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, I don't know what's going on next week, but there'll be something. Maybe David Raya will pass it to a striker again, and we could talk about him for three weeks in a row. Uh, thank you, Toby. Uh, thank you. I'll see you then. <laughs>